0: Coming up, breaking down the divisional series with Sully Baseball, can the Padres take down the evil LA Dodgers, will the miracle run for the Mariners continue, and power-ranking the top 10 D-backs dudes from this season, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast.
1: You are locked on Diamondbacks.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, here part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The Always Charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com, on there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks about Twitter, and Instagram for the podcast handle. Please go follow us on YouTube. Locked on Diamondbacks on there as well. Just hit that subscribe button. And also, I just want to say thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. As I mentioned in the open, we're going to be talking to Sully Baseball about the divisional series, giving our analysis, our picks for each series. But first... I want to start by power ranking the top 10 D-backs players from this past season, the top 10 D-backs dudes from this past season. It's going to be a little series that runs over the next couple of pods, and we're going to start from the bottom, build that suspense all the way to the top, and I first want to start with a couple of honorable mentions. I felt like there was really just 10 D-backs dudes that really could have made the cut for this list, because if I went any longer than 10, I think the list gets kind of wonky, because as my honorable mentions here... This is someone who didn't even crack the top 10 D-backs this season, which is insane because I still think he's probably the best Diamondbacks player, but this year, he did not play like the best D-backs player. I don't think he played like a top 10 D-backs player this season. That is Ketel Marte, who just had a super weird season from start to finish. He started really cold this year. What, that first month, he did not look like Ketel Marte? And then he actually picked up his numbers over the next couple months, and by the all star break, Ketel Marte was batting 271 with an 812 OPS, and you're like, okay, Ketel Marte is going to finish the year with Ketel Marte numbers. But in the second half, Marte, 195 average, 602 OPS. So there was a chance at one point during the year that felt like Marte was going to solidify himself as a top 10 D back, but terrible second half for Marte. A little bit of concern, but I'm still very confident that this guy's a stud and can still be an all-star plus player in the future for the D-backs, still like 30 years old. So I'm not worried about martinez's future with the D-backs, but he was not a top 10 player this year. Another guy who I have down as an honorable mention, Ryan Nelson, who would have possibly made this list if he didn't get hurt to end the season because he just didn't have a huge sample size. Ryan Nelson, he ended up only pitching... Um, he only pitched three starts, 18 innings pitched. Now, he was phenomenal, those three starts, 147 ear rank. Only an honorable mention because of the very, very tiny sample size. And then the other dude I want to put as an honorable mention... Kevin Ginkle, quietly, really solid season for Kevin Ginkle. 29 innings pitch, 3.38 ERA, year array, 50% ground ball rate, 9.2 strikeouts per nine. Like It was a very nice bounce-back season for Kevin Ginkle, who I used to think could be the close of the future no longer, but could he be a mid-to-high-leverage reliever, maybe a 7th inning kind of a guy? That's still in the cards for Kevin Ginkle. That's still potentially possible for Kevin Ginkle, so I just wanted to shout him out as an honorable mention, but now... Let's get into the list, starting off with number 10 of the top 10 D-backs from this past season. I'm going to put down Corbin Carroll at number 10, the top prospect from this D-backs or from this loaded D-backs farm system. We're going to see Jordan Lawler hopefully next year get his cup of coffee like how Corbin Carroll did this year. Then if we're lucky, we're getting Drew Jones this season after that. But Corbin Carroll this year in a small sample size of 32 games Looked phenomenal, a 260 average, over 800 OPS, showed off the wheels, showed off the arm, showed off the power, showed off all the tools that made Corbin Carroll who he is. If you go to a stat cast, you click on sprint speed, you know who's number one? Corbin Carroll with like a 31.1 something sprint speed per second. I don't even know really how fast that is. Like I know they're telling me how many feet per second, but I'd rather have miles per hour or like compare him to like Usain Bolt. Like if they were both in a race, how, how much farther back in the race is he finishing compared to Usain Bolt? Because feet per second just doesn't really clearly tell me how fast someone is. It's just nice to see the rankings laid out and see Corbin Carroll number one overall. So fastest player in baseball. That's going to help out this team a ton. It's going to help him out defensively in the outfield, track down balls, close gaps. He's going to be taking extra bases. This is a guy that's going to bring a ton of energy to the D-backs next season, and he brought a ton of energy to the D-backs this season. And This is someone that just has tons of quality at bats. You could just tell when he's at the plate. 872 OPS when the pitcher is ahead in the count. Let me repeat. 872 OPS when the pitcher is ahead of the count. You can't get this guy to feel pressure in those moments where it's two strikes or you really got to press to protect the plate. Corbin Carroll, he doesn't worry. He's good when you have one strike. He's elite. When he's down 0-2 in the count, he still has like an 800 OPS. It's absolutely insane. He puts the ball in play, 333 batting average on balls in play. He's great at taking extra bases, 86% extra base taken percentage and the really interesting thing about Corbin Carroll's season, I think, is the amount of power he displayed in the short time he had on the Major League level. 15 of his 27 hits went for extra bases. He had the highest slugging percentage of any D-backs player with at least 100 play appearances. Yes, I know, very small sample size. And he did all of that while basically being below average on the team in barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, and exit velocity. So the hard contact stats aren't quite there for Corbin Carroll just yet. He's still working on the quality of contacts he's making. But the fact that He's not even in the barrel to the ball yet. The fact that the ball's not technically flying off his bat yet. And he's still getting all those extra bases. Now, some of those extra bases are just the fact that if the balls, you know, just skip past the first baseman, he can easily turn that into a double, right? With his wheels. But the fact that he's still getting all these extra bases and the numbers still and the numbers are telling you right now, he hasn't even tapped into that power yet. And he still got doubles, triples, and home runs. Like This is someone that is a true superstar in the making on the precipice of greatness. I don't want to talk him up too much, but I do think this is someone that's going to be a multi time all star, a D backs guy that could be, you know, a guy that could be a D backs Hall of Famer. Maybe not a major league Hall of Famer. We'll still hold our reservation for that. But would I be surprised if this dude is one day in the D backs ring of honor? I would not be so. Corbin Carroll, right now, 10th. 10th on my D-backs power ranking from this season. Number nine, though, is another D-backs rookie. And I got Dre Jamison, number nine, who had 24.2 innings pitched, 24 strikeouts, a 148 ERA, 148 ERA, and a 1.11 whip. And the reason I have him above Corbin Carroll is because I felt like they both had small sample sizes, but I think Dre Jamison was a little bit more dominant in the small sample sizes that he had versus Corbin Carroll. Now, I'll talk about, outs. I'll talk out the other side of my mouth because I'll say this. Dre Jameson was not good against the middle of the order. Hitters three through six had above 800 OPS against Dre Jameson and a near 800 OPS he allowed to right-handed batters. So there are some definite flaws in Dre Jameson's game. He also gave up A good amount of hard contact, if you look at hard hit percentage, exit velocity, those numbers weren't exactly pretty either, but he was able to offset all those flaws by being absolutely elite and um, being absolutely elite with the ability to pitch out of danger. With runners in scoring position, Dre Jamison only allowed two hits and 20 at-bats, and 24 at-bats considered high leverage moments, Dre Jamison only allowed three hits as well. This is someone with a mid-90s fastball, mid-90s sinker. Don't really have that kind of combination on his D-back staff right now with a slider that's practically unhittable, and he loves to throw that curveball and change up to lefties. Maybe he needs to work in a couple of those pitches to righties so that OPS against righties can go down a little bit. Dre Jameson this season pitched into at least the sixth inning with no more than two earned runs and. Every start he had, the four starts he had, and he did that against the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres. Two of those three teams are in the postseason, in the second round, so not easy competition. So we're starting off this top 10 D-backs list. Maybe it's not a great sign that two of the top 10 players are rookies for at least this year. That's why the D-backs didn't make the postseason. But for next year, the fact that Corbin Carroll is already doing what he did in the small sample size that he had, the fact that he got his little opportunity and ran with it and showed why he was a top D-backs prospect, that gives us a lot of optimism. And then Dre Jameson was someone that didn't have great minor league numbers was someone that was considered one of the best one of the better D-backs pitching prospects but was kind of floundering this past year but then got promoted and absolutely dominated along with Ryan Nelson D-backs have a ton of young talent and I think it's going to be an ex- a, a very exciting time in the valley for the next couple of years as the D-backs see all this influx of young talent and I made the case on the podcast what last week that I do think this D-backs team can make the postseason next year just looking at the field and with all this young talent starting to sprout uh, st- with all this young talent starting to prosper and grow together and flourish together it's a, it's a very exciting time to be a D-backs fan right now Now we're going to talk to Sully Baseball about the divisional series give predictions analysis but if you want to bet on who's going to win each divisional series, you need to head to betonline.net because... BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
1: All right, Miller let's quickly wrap this show up here. Let's talk sure. a little bit about the division series. We have the let's talk the prediction on the first one. We have the Yankees versus the Guardians that's starting in the Bronx uh, you know on Monday. And remind me, that's five game series still, right? They haven't. Yes, yeah. Yes, best of five. So
0: okay. I have to make sure. Okay, I don't want to like a dummy you know, a dummy here on the podcast, but I'm probably picking the Yankees. I know everyone wants to ride with Cleveland. I would love mm-hmm. to ride with Cleveland. I would love to see the Yankees get upset and lose because I love the misery of the Yankees fans, all the question marks that'll come with Aaron Boone. Is Aaron Judge gonna return? I think the most fascinating narrative would be for the Yankees to lose this series, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I do think being that, team that gets the top seed and having that buy is important because now who you're probably gonna have like Cal Quantrill or something going against Garrett Cole in that game one. Like that is going to be a big advantage and a big boost to the Yankees in this game one, where they could basically jump out to an early series in a very, you know, like we just said, best of five series. So it's going to be shorter. So I do like the Yankees in the series. I still love Aaron judge and still think as long as he's healthy, like he is right now, he's probably going to hit a couple home runs in this series. The rest of the lineup, we'll see what they do. I think you're going to need someone like an Anthony Rizzo. Judge is going to need a partner in crime. Maybe a Stan steps back up. And we've seen Stan in the past. He's been one of the Yankees' biggest player performers. We saw what he did in the wild card game last year against the Red Sox. So I do think Judge is going to have a partner in crime, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Stanton being that partner in crime with him.
1: If I'm Cleveland, Judge doesn't see a hittable pitch the entire series. That's fair. Force force LeMayhu or Rizzo or Stanton – or let's not forget Glaber-Torres. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. I think that if someone other than Judge steps up, I think the Yankees are going to win. The Yankees had this they, – they they stubbed their toe in mid-July through August, but they had a fantastic uh, September and to basically cruise to a division title. Their bullpen is vulnerable. Their bullpen looks – you know they don't quite look as strong as a bullpen as they did earlier in the year. And Cleveland's bullpen is terrific. It boils down to this. Uh, I think they're making a mistake starting Cole game one. I would start Nestor Cortez Jr., who pitched better Mm. down the stretch. And Cole, I would take the pressure off of Cole and throw him game two. Cole seems to, who's a wonderful pitcher, obviously, but he always seems to have that one bad inning that sort of spoils it. Um, If the Yankees win the first two games of the series, I think they're going to win. If Cleveland steals a game in the Bronx, I think they're going to win because you're going to have Bieber and McKenzie going three and four mm-hmm. and that, and I would take them over, um, you know, Severino and or Herman or whomever, or I don't know, they're probably not going to pitch. Tyone. Tyone or Frankie. Yeah. It's going to be Tyone and uh, Severino. So I, I pick Bieber and McKenzie over them, even though both, Severino pitched very well down the stretch, and Tyone pitched well down the stretch. How about Montes? Good- Are
0: we forgetting him?
1: Is he going be- to? I doubt Montez is even going to pitch. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a bust of a trade. I think it's going to be a close series. I think it's going to be a five game series. I am going to pick Cleveland uh, for the reason that I think that they're going to be a pain in the neck, and I like their bullpen over the Yankees, and they're smart enough pitchers to befuddle everyone not named Aaron Judge. It would not stun me if the Yankees won, but I am going to pick Cleveland uh, just because I like their pitching staff a little better and that the Yankees have a pitching st- have a lineup that can be stymied. Mm-hmm. You've seen them happen where the bats go dead. And if they pitch around Judge and force one of the other persons and they press, um, you know, then there you go. Then I think that uh, that's what I think it's going to happen.
0: And maybe Chapman could infect the team with some bad vibes because he's officially off the DS roster after missing a workout. And Brian Cashman had some scathing comments where he was like, initially, I was shocked that he wasn't there. But then after thinking about the whole year, I do have to question his commitment to the team because his words say he wants to be in, but his actions say otherwise. Scathing comments between Brian Cashman and Roderick Chapman. And maybe that could be the nuclear bomb as we're on the precipice of Armageddon ourselves here in America. Maybe that could be the Armageddon get a nuclear bomb in the Yankees locker room
1: Chapman shouldn't be in the major leagues but it's a whole different uh, (laughs) situation Uh, Seattle versus Houston is an interesting series obviously Houston best team in the American League on paper uh, and Seattle has a ton of talent Uh, what's your take on that
0: um I'm of the mindset when it comes to the Houston Astros I don't know why but I view them like I view the Kansas City Chiefs or the Golden State Warriors I'm just riding with the Houston Astros every series until they lose and that's probably going to be my philosophy all the way to the World Series with whoever they face coming out the National League because if we go back to 2017, back to this cheating scandal, all the way till now, this Astros team is in the championship series or better every year since 2017. Their lineup is still as good as ever. Altuve still had an MVP type season. Jordan Alvarez is a stud. Kyle Tucker's of the world. You have rookies like Jeremy Peña stepping up. Their rotation is freaking nasty. They got the Cy Young Award winner. They got Framber Valdez who like set the quality start record. They got other dudes. Lance McCullers is coming back. Like this Astros team, I mean, they reshape their roster every year while. Well, Also having mostly most of the core guys there and they're just stacked they're a loaded team so i would be surprised if the astros didn't do what they normally do when it comes to the playoff time
1: I think they're going to win in four. I give the Mariners one game. That's fair. But, but you know, going Verlander, Verlander's going to the Cy Young Award. You could make a case for Framber Valdez. Yeah, that's – I mean, exactly. Christian Javier would be the number one starter on a bunch of teams. You know, Lance McCullers Jr. and Jose Urquidy. I mean, they're so, they're so deep in their pitching staff, and they can score like crazy. Again, I am I would love to see Seattle do well. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners. This Houston team's just better. Um, Now, last year the Rays were better than the Red Sox and the Red Sox found a way to beat them so you know if they could steal a game in Houston maybe but which one are you going to steal it against Verlander or Valdez
0: yeah there's no easy options here and thankfully you don't have to win that many games like if the Mariners can stay hot for a two week period. You only have to be hot for two weeks to win it all. So, the Mariners, we've seen crazy things happen in the postseason, like you mentioned with the Red Sox. We saw it last year with the Atlanta Braves, where we have these wild card teams who we maybe don't have the World Series expectations for them, but they just keep doing it series after series. And so, Mary. Maybe the Mariners are the destiny team of the future. We said it with the Padres earlier. Maybe it's one of these cursed franchises. It's obviously not the New York Mets. They stay being cursed. So maybe it's the Mariners. Maybe it's the Phillies. We'll see all these teams that are, you know, just historically cursed seem to be playing pretty well right now.
1: Well, let's go to that Phillies-Braves series, or as I like to call it, the Mets nightmare. Mm. That after winning 100 games, the the Phillies and the Braves are playing while the Mets are playing golf. Um, what do you got in that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just have to feel bad if you're a Mets fan, um, just doubling down on the Mets misery here because it's a battle of the NL East. And I'm just going to lean. I think I'm just going to go with probably a repeat of last year's World Series. We'll see how the postseason plays out. But I love the Braves this year. I love the Houston Astros. This Braves team is nasty. Once again, I think they're even better than what they were last year because now you got Ronald Acuna on this team. And yeah, Freddie Freeman is not there, but you got Matt Olsen giving you, what, 80 to 85 percent of that Freddie Freeman production yeah. while Austin Riley stepping up another what 10 to 15 percent in his place anyway so you got those two your rotation Kyle Wright has been downright nasty this year in that
1: rotation you yeah, know yeah freed
0: great. hopefully your rookies are healthy the Spencer Striders hopefully he's mm-hmm. healthy I'm not too sure I haven't checked his status recently Michael Harris has been a beast so this brave team they have a combination of star power veteran star power and really young talent as well they're deep this Phillies team I like them but they're still question marks when it comes to their defense their bullpen as well I just feel like they're less flaws when I look at that land team that's still stacked and the reigning world series champs.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pick the Braves in four because I think that uh, either Nola or Wheeler are going to pitch well and, and, and win a game in Philly, but the Braves are, the Braves are so good. Um, and I think that they're just, they're, they're poor. They're, they're sing, They have a single minded focus and that is to be the first national league team to win back-to-back titles since the big red machine of 1975 and 76, and this team could very well do it. Uh, Philadelphia obviously upset St. Louis. You know, they could get hot. Obviously, they did, and they had wonderful pitching, but I think the Braves can match their pitching, can match their bullpen, and match their lineup. I just think Atlanta is is a little bit better at each level, and so I pick Atlanta in four. And finally, we have the – the the Dodgers were like, okay, are we gonna have a cross country flight or a two hour drive? And uh, so the uh, Dodgers are playing San Diego, um, or is it kind of the uh, the Giants' nightmare series? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got in that?
0: I feel like people want to pick the Padres based off what we just saw them do against the New York Mets, but I feel like this is gonna be another. Big Brother versus Little Brother series, and we're going to see the Dodgers reassert their dominance and show why they're the kings of the NL West. I won't say it's going to be the same when the Dodgers face the other teams in the postseason, but I think against the Padres, who they see, what, 20-plus times in a regular season, but they probably have a very good record against in the regular season. I'm riding with the Dodgers in this series. Yes, you got guys like Clayton Kershaw, who's old, but Julio Arias is of the world have really stepped up. They basically have five dudes in the rotation, like a sub-2-8 ERA. They led the league in run scored. They led the league in ERA. There's there's nothing you could point to that won't say the Dodgers are not the best team in baseball, at least statistically on paper. So it's hard to go against a team with multiple MVPs, multiple Cy Young Award winners on their roster.
1: And they're doing that even without Gonsolin. I'm not sure if he's back or not, but he certainly won't be at full strength without Walker Buehler. Um, obviously, Darvish has pitched wonderfully down the stretch. Obviously, Musgrove pitched wonderfully down the stretch, and they have MVP candidates. Dodgers in three.
0: Dodgers in three. Wow. And I actually want to just double check real quick. The Dodgers this season against the San Diego Padres. So I don't look like a dummy on the podcast 14 and five against the Padres in the regular season this year. So they asserted their dominance in the regular season. And we'll see if they could do it in the postseason. Sully says, get the brooms out Dodgers fans.
1: And I, and and that's the, these are what I think will happen. Not necessarily what I want will happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking an ALCS, which will be Cleveland versus Houston and I, I just can't see a scenario right now that isn't Atlanta, Los Angeles for the NLCS.
0: Yeah. And just look at it one more time Dodgers, 14 and 5 against the Padres, also 14 and 5 against the D backs. So the D backs, as close to the Dodgers as the Padres are, just want to give a little shout out to D backs nation. We're still thinking about you during the playoffs.
1: Yep. Well, we got to do something. Um, and in case you're wondering, damn right I go to church. Oh, okay. My, mine is in the ballpark. And of course, those dimensions are Fenway, but what are you going to do? Hey, uh, Miller Thomas, where can they follow you?
0: Hey, follow me on Twitter at creator Thomas 24 for my personal account. Look up locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram search the, just type it in the little search bar or go on YouTube. We need more subscribers, locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. And of course we're on all your podcasting
1: platforms. So please tell your friends. And I'm at Locked On MLB. Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram, and my account is Sully Baseball and Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Looking over the wild wild card round, first time I ever doing wild card round. And guess what? It was. I think it was a success. I think it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And now let's see if we can bring it on with some more memorable games in the division series. This has been locked on MLB for the tenth day. We're in mid October, tenth day of October, twenty twenty two. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Sully. Colin Miller, Thomas. Time to fist pump our way to the division series this afternoon.
0: Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out Sully Baseball for hopping on the podcast the last couple of days. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Go we'll make your second listen of the day, Locked on MLB, without our pal Sully Baseball, who you just listened to. He crushes it over there on the Locked on MLB channel, so go check him out. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.